this morning, and we can continue with our series that we've been um, really kind of enjoying over the past few weeks called The Italian Job. Let me welcome you if you're a visitor here this morning. My name's Steve, and it's my privilege to speak this morning. If you were here last week, you would have heard me talking about how my children are starting to get into uh, like sporting activities and things like that, which is really, really good. Um, but in the interest of balance, I feel I should also point out this morning that my son James is really getting into video games as well. Um, not like Call of Duty or Grand Theft Auto or anything like that, he's only six. But he loves Super Mario, hence uh, he's a Mario there on the, on the screen. And, uh, and James loves kind of playing uh, Mario Kart, and there's just, you know, it's kind of a game you play on the Nintendo Wii and there's that race. But there's something about, which I kind of remember when I was a kid, about like unlocking the next level. Do you know what I mean? Like you, you're kind of racing and, and if I, I kind of win this race or I get enough trophies, then I kind of unlock the next level and I, I kind of go on to the next level. And I kind of remember that when I was a, a, a kid, I had a computer, well, computer, it was called a, a ZX Spectrum and it was kind of quite small and had little rubber keys and uh, it was a ZX Spectrum 48K. It had less processing power than your average calculator. And uh, you had to, the, te- the keys were made of rubber and you really had to push them hard to, uh, to play this game with QA, OP, left and right, up and down. And, um, and, and I remember even then this sort of uh, excitement when you play a game. And back in those days, if you wanted to play a game, um, you, ha- you had to, on, on the ZX Spectrum, you had to get a cassette recorder. Now, you, lot, you won't even know what cassettes are, do you? But there was these things called cassettes before CDs, and you hooked up your cassette recorder, and it would play. You'd have to hook it up, and you'd play, and you'd go away and do something for a couple of hours, and you'd come back in the hope that the game would have loaded, but you would have found that actually it would have clicked off, and there'd been a syntax error, and it hadn't worked, and you'd have to start all over again. And the youth of today, basically, what I'm saying is you don't know you're born. But I remember playing these games where, and this kind of thing of, of oh, I'm going to unlock the next level. And, uh, and, and in some ways, it's quite good preparation for life, isn't it? Because it feels like in lots of ways in life, you're just kind of, there's this sort of progression of you go to school and then you go to bigger school. And maybe you do some further study and you get a job and you get a better job. And you get married and you have children and you buy a house and you buy a lawnmower. And all of these sort of things is this progression that these things in, in childhood prepare us for. I think. Um, Another thing that I remembered about childhood in this sense of progression is uh, uh, I'm going to play an audio now that might send chills through your soul if it brings back memories. Can we play this audio? Start level two, one. Does anybody remember that? That is the beep test. So Level named, two, because when two. people heard they had to do the beep test, usually there was profanity and... Sw- no, no, not really. The beep test was this thing, and I remember having to do it in PE, and it's kind of like a, a sort of institutional form of bullying <laughs> to help PE teachers who, in my experience, didn't normally need any help. You know, I think it is part of the criteria to be a PE teacher, isn't it? Can you drive a minibus? Do you own a whistle? Do you hate children? You- <laughs> If you're a PE teacher here this morning, I am sorry. <laughs> but somebody has to do it, and at least you don't have any marking to do, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So the beep test, the idea with the beep test is there would be these different levels, and you know, you'd have to like, run across the playground before the next beep sounded. And so it would test your fitness. You'd run it, and then you'd wait, and then the next beep, and you would go. And then with each level, the gap between the beeps would shorten. And, and kids were like desperate to get there. It was like you know, they were being chased by a lion or something. I've just got to get to the other end before the beep went. And then you'd have like the super athletes who were just, you know, they were on like level 12 and they were just going, stepping over the bodies of fallen, unfit people while the PE teacher shouted, leave them, they're not worth it. If you've been affected by any of the illustrations in this sermon, please speak to our counsellors after the meeting. <clears throat> but I suppose it's something about this sense of, of progression and moving to the next level. And so uh, this morning, I want to call my talk the start of level two. And it's about progressing to the next level because, you know, as in games, as in life, also in the spiritual life, one of the most exciting things about following Jesus is there is never a, a kind of point where you just, that's it, I've done everything. It's just constant opportunities to grow and progress. And it's so exciting. And I think at the start of the journey, it can be quite a daunting thing. I remember when I became a Christian, I remember listening to uh, the, the preacher at the front of church, and they would say things, oh, so as we know, it says in John 3.16, blah, blah, blah. As we know, it says in Galatians 5.10, blah, blah, blah. And I remember sitting there as a new Christian thinking, how, how do they know that? How do they remember that? Has anyone else experienced that? You know, it's not just, well, it says in the Bible somewhere something about love. You know, they, they kind of had these kind of references in their head. I thought, I, I, I can't imagine ever getting to that place where I just know these things. And then a few years later, I found myself, I was that person. I was doing that thing. And I remember before, before the days of smartphones and things like that, um, I'm kind of, you know, lifting the curtain a little bit on what goes on behind the scenes here. But I remember, you know, we, there was a stage where before the start of the meeting, whoever was leading the meeting would come up to me and would say, Steve, where does it say this? And that doesn't happen anymore because you just Google it, don't you? You look on your phone. But somehow I had become this kind of walking concordance that people had this vague notion of a verse and they'd come to me and, and you know, I, I think most of the time, I'd say, oh, it sounds like it's in Romans somewhere. It's always in Romans, isn't it? But, you know, that thing that seemed like ridiculously impossible when I was a young Christian, suddenly I was that person doing it. And this morning, what I want to talk about is progressing to the next level. And in essence, it's this, wherever you are in your walk with and your response to Jesus, there is another level that you can unlock. There is another level that you can unlock. You can grow. There is more of God that you can know. There is more of his freedom that you can experience. There is more of his purpose that you can understand. There is more of his grace that you can experience. Wherever you are in your walk with Jesus right now, there is always another level that you can unlock. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to look in Acts chapter 10, which is the passage we've been looking at in recent weeks, and we're going to see some examples of people in that chapter who unlocked the next level. So we're going to read from Acts chapter 10, 
and verses 44 to 48. It says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Let's pray, shall we? And then we'll get into this passage a little more. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the incredible privilege of being able to know you personally to experience you in our lives and the grace and the freedom that you bring to us. I want to pray this morning, Lord Jesus, that you would help us progress to the next level, not to settle, not to grow comfortable with the point that we've reached. We thank you so much for the progress that you've enabled us to make in our life so far, Lord, but we don't want to settle because we recognize there is always more. We recognize you give your spirit without limit. There is always more of you to know and understand more life, more freedom, more liberty, more power, more authority, more grace, more purpose and vision. Lord, and so this morning, Lord Jesus, we pray that you would help us to get a hold of the more that you have for us as a church and for each and every one of us here as individuals. Lord, would you help us to get a hold of that this morning in the name of Jesus. Amen. So in this passage in Acts chapter 10, really it's the culmination of the things that we have been looking at over recent weeks and that we uh, demonstrated visibly on the stage here last Sunday morning. It's the kind of culmination of this process whereby this man, Cornelius, who's a good man who gives and who prays, and an angel appeared to him to tell him to send for the apostle Peter. Meanwhile, the Holy Spirit speaks to Peter and forces him to change his thinking about the non-Jewish people, the Gentiles. And so he goes to Cornelius with some of the believers, preaches the good news about Jesus. And we see in this passage how the Holy Spirit is poured out and they are baptized. It's awesome. And, uh, and I want to just pick out three people or groups of people in this chapter that uh, demonstrate this principle of progressing to the next level. And the first one is Cornelius. So when we meet Cornelius at the start of Acts chapter 10, he is described as a devout man. Some uh, translations of the Bible talk about people like Cornelius as God-fearers. Yeah, I don't know whether you've come across that term. So essentially, Cornelius, he's not uh, ethnically Jewish, but he has some sort of sympathy and some affiliation to the to, uh, to the Jews. He's not gone so far as to become, sometimes you read in the New Testament about people who are proselytes, that they go the whole hog and they are circumcised and they become part of the, a convert to Judaism. But it feels like Cornelius, he's a good man, he's devout, he recognizes some things about God and he responds. But what transpires through the rest of the passage is 
he doesn't have a personal relationship with God. He hasn't responded personally to the great news about what Jesus accomplished on the cross and the possibility of knowing God in a new and a different way. And throughout the course of Acts chapter 10, the difference from the start to the end is Cornelius undergoes that conversion. He's born again, if you like, and he's baptized in the Spirit. And it's a a reminder, really, that it's possible to be, I suppose, sympathetic to God, to church, to Christians, but that is not the same as having a personal relationship with God through Jesus. And sometimes you see this when you read the accounts of great historical figures in the church, people like John Wesley and George Whitfield, who changed communities, touched nations, about how you, when you read about them, often they, they talk about a, a real pivotal moment where they experience the presence of God and a sense of being born again. And then you discover they'd been like a vicar for 10 years before this process. So they'd been around the church, but they hadn't experienced God. I remember uh, Caroline, my wife, telling me about when she was at university, one of her friends came to her and said, oh, it's brilliant news. Uh, one of the elders in my dad's church has just become a Christian. Now, can you imagine? You know, they, you can be kind of in the church, but not experienced. Can I, I just like to point out that all the leaders in our church are born again and are Christians. Some of them are a bit quirky, I'll give you that, but they are all, they're all Christians. But it's possible to be around. And it reminds us that the central thing is what you do with Jesus and how you respond to the message about Jesus. You know, there are so many good things that you can do and you can pray and you can give and you can go to church and you can be a lovely person and really kind and generous. But the central thing is what you do with Jesus and what he did on the cross. And that is the the change that we see in Cornelius. He heard about Jesus and he repented of his sins and he put his trust in Jesus for salvation. There is that next level. And maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus. You don't know God in a personal way. You feel like you're you're still kind of grappling and you're here. That's a great thing. And, uh, And actually, you know, maybe this morning God will help you like Cornelius to take that next step to know him in a personal way. So Cornelius is somebody in this account who uh, proceeds to the next level. Somebody else that we read about here is the apostle Peter. Now this is quite a strange one because, well, Peter's an apostle. It kind of feels like you're at the top of the tree there, aren't you? You're like the chief executive. You're the senior pastor. You're the, the captain. You're the prime minister. Where else do you go? But even Peter, as an apostle, had this incredible revelation. So he knew about the law of God. He knew about, you know, the dietary requirements. He knew about whether he should relate to Gentiles and eat with them or not, the sort of non-Jewish people. He knew about clean and unclean foods. But that next level that God unlocked for Peter was, he went from understanding God's law to understanding God's heart. And that's really important. That through that revelation, he came to understand something about God. And it's really, really important. I look at my own life and I think one of the things that's made such a difference in my life and in my ministry is appreciating not just God's word, but God's heart. Because it's really easy just to kind of look at the, the, 
the word and to you know, think of it as very black and white and yes and no, and these are rules and these are regulations. But behind it all, there is a God who has a heart and has a passion. And if we miss that, well, it's a bit like, you know, if you can imagine a minefield, like a literal minefield, not a metaphorical one, you know, a field of mines. And you might be thinking, okay, giving instructions to someone, we need to stop people entering this minefield. It's dangerous, isn't it? So we need to stop people entering this minefield. Can you do that? And the person you've given that instruction to thinks, yeah, we need to stop people. I know what we'll do. We'll set out four lookout towers on each of the four corners with snipers. Okay? And if it looks like anybody is going to enter the minefield, we'll take them out. Now, you see, what this does is technically it stops people entering the minefield, doesn't it? But you kind of miss the heart and the point. The reason that we want to stop people entering the minefield is because we don't want them to die. So shooting them, you know, is counterproductive. It would have been better for them to go in the minefield, really, because then at least they'd have diffused some mines. <laughs> is that a bit too pragmatic? <laughs> but it's possible to do this with the word of God. Actually, so you can say to, to someone who's, you know, feeling like, I don't know, guilty or, or depressed. And you say, well, do you know what? The word of God says that you shouldn't feel guilty. You shouldn't feel depressed. So there. But all that's happened now is not only do they feel guilty about the thing they felt guilty for, they feel guilty about feeling guilty. It hasn't helped them. You've just used the word of God as a big stick to hit them. You've missed the heart, which is, God doesn't want you to be weighed down with this guilt that gnaws away, and you don't have to, and there is a better way. Can you understand the difference between just a law that says, don't do this, and a heart that says, there is a better way? And the change that Peter went through, he went from understanding God's law, don't eat with these people, don't eat this food, to understanding God's heart. You know, is there anything uh, that isn't good that God has made? So that was Peter's next level. And then there is a next level for the believers who are with Peter, the, uh, the sort of Jewish congregation. Um, earlier in chapter 10, they're called the brothers from Joppa. So those ethnically Jewish people who are believers and uh, who are witnessing what uh, goes on here at the end of chapter 10. And they also kind of undergo a change in their thinking. And they go from thinking about God's uh, call on them to God's call on others. So if you like, God's call on me to God's call on you. So they were very well, well, we are, we are Jewish and, you know, this is kind of what we do. And the transition that they went through was to understand something of God's heart for the Gentiles, for the nations, for this other group of people. It didn't just become about them, but it became about this other group of people. And, uh, you know, it's great having Clive and Sally back with us this week. Ben was uh, saying a couple of weeks ago, actually, about uh, how Clive and Sally had gone to um, Bogota and Colombia and what a privilege it was to release them to that. And I think that's part of this kind of being able to see bigger, isn't it? You know, if we were just thinking about me, it's just like, well, Clive and Sally should be here, shouldn't they? And, and teach us and we need them. And it's just, you know what, it's better to give than to receive, it says in the New Testament. And it's such a privilege to release uh, Clive and Sally to go elsewhere in the world and to bless others because we don't just focus on God's call on me, but we think about God's call on others. 
So there are three examples from this passage about people who proceeded to the next level. So what about us? I want to ask Doug to come and share a great, uh, great word, great picture that he had um, shared earlier in the prayer meeting because I think it kind of really helps us to respond to, to this. Yesterday there was a, a very big event, was there not? Encounter. The encounter, that was the right answer. But there was also this like minor thing going on in Windsor um, that a lot of, there were like loads of cameras and TV and I don't know what all the fuss was about really, but I was thinking, it got me thinking, um, I saw some pictures of the royal wedding and Prince Harry and now, is he the Duchess of Sussex? Yeah, um, going past in the carriages um, and, and times have changed, and you see these crowds who are all there. Where is it? Who are all there, like this. <laughs> I'm going to get them. I'm gonna... Yeah, there they are. Woo, here's me with the self in the back. And I think it got me thinking, you know, if, if Jesus was around these days, what do you think it would be like when the crowds were around him do you think everyone would be out with their smartphones trying to get like a a selfie with Jesus or um or get a snapshot of Jesus like we always seem to process the world now through a camera lens on a phone and and I thought maybe maybe that misses the heart of really what it means to push through to Jesus and um I was reminded again of the story of the woman who had the internal bleeding problem, and she pushed through the crowd so that she could um, touch the corner of Jesus' robe so that she could receive her healing. She didn't push through to try and get a picture of him, but she pushed through to reach out and touch him physically herself. And, and I, just, I just had this sense from the Holy Spirit that God doesn't want us to just be spectators mm. through a phone, but God wants us to participate in what he's doing. Brilliant. Excellent. That's it. Thank you, Doug. I just thought it was really helpful because, you know, we read about these people who, you know, go from fearing God to knowing God, from knowing God's law to knowing God's heart, from understanding God's call on me to understanding God's call on you. And really the question is, what about us? What about us? And so I want to think about our response and practically help us in, in three ways. And the first is about the destination, the destination. So I want you to think about, okay, what's my next level? What is the next level I want to unlock? Maybe, can I invite you just to actually shut your eyes and to think about it and pray about it? And for some of you, it might kind of seem so obvious. Well, you know, I'm tussling with whether I really believe this or I'm going to commit to this at the minute. And the next level for me is being in a place where I can give my life to Jesus. There might be others who, for you, it's about, you know, that next level has been really consistent with my devotional life. That next level is about really being bold in, you know, sharing my faith with people. I think there will be some people here who they know what the next level is, but I think there will also be some people here this morning that as we shut our eyes and as we ask God to move, will reveal some unexpected next level, some things that maybe you wouldn't imagine, some next levels of, of, you know, standing here on this stage speaking, of doing things that you would not imagine doing. 
I just want to give God a moment right now to plant in our hearts and our minds, what is the next level? What is it that I want? Where do I want to go? You know, maybe I've just had a brilliant encounter and I want to use that as the stepping stone to something more. What's the next level? Okay, so that's the, the destination. So the next thing, you know, when we're clear about the destination and where we want to go, the next thing is the journey. So the journey is really, really important, okay? The journey is really important because so often when we kind of, God takes us to a new place and does something new in us, actually the journey, the process is what helps us really value where we get to. So, um, you know, you think about for Peter, it wasn't just that he woke up in the morning kind of understanding that, oh, okay, the Gentiles are okay. It came through this engagement with God and what the Holy Spirit did in him. You know, so often the journey is what helps us appreciate the destination. I love the fact that we have pastors who decided to drive a small car to Mongolia. You know, I think that is, that is brilliant, isn't it? They didn't just think, oh, what should we do for our summer holidays? We'll get a caravan somewhere. They thought, let's get a small car. Let's drive to Mongolia. Let's drive past some of the most dangerous countries in the world. And you know what? It wasn't about going to Mongolia, was it? It was about the journey. You know, I've got friends who've been to Mongolia. They got on a plane. You can get there quite quickly. It's about the journey. The journey helps us appreciate the destination. So there's something about being ready for the journey. You know, it might seem like, oh, I wish I could just get this download that made me good at this or know this. But actually, it's the journey that helps us appreciate that. And then the third thing is about the starting point. The starting point. This is really important that we understand where we are now. You know, I think it's, it's really important in our own lives and in leadership. One of the things that I've learned about leading people or leading teams is if you want to take people to a new place, they need to be really confident about where they are now. They need to get their bearings, you know, otherwise it's kind of really difficult to conceive going somewhere else if I don't know where I am now. So we need to be clear about what, what our starting point are. Where are the boundaries that we want to push? And to make the most of the revelation that we have now. So Cornelius went through such a transformation, but it started with him doing what he knew he could do. He was praying and he was giving. Peter, before he experienced this revelation from God, he was willing and he was doing the work of God. And so our starting point is to occupy the space that God has for us, the space in the Spirit. You know, there's no point having a four-bedroomed house and having three of them empty and saying, I need a bigger house. Yeah, before we go for that bigger house, we occupy the place that God has for us here today. And so that's our starting point. So I'm going to invite us to make a response to God. I'm going to invite us to stand because I think that really helps us. And I've got prayer to, uh, that I'd like us to, to pray. And really, like I said before, this is about wherever you are with God today. Do you want to go to that next place? Because you know what? If you are willing, God is able. If you are willing, God is able. There is more than enough grace. There is more than enough power. There is more than enough authority in the Word of God. There is more than enough liberty in His blood. He's paid the price that needs to be paid. 
So if you are willing, God is able. So this morning, this morning, if you want to progress to that next level, whatever your starting point, God, a prayer. Let me read it out and then we can pray it together. The prayer is this, Lord Jesus, thank you that with your help, I can always grow and move to the next level. Today, I resolve to conceive the next stage, commit to the journey and commence today. Amen. And so, you know, this prayer and praying this prayer, we are taking responsibility for this. This is not, God, do something to me that I'm uninvolved in. This is, Lord, I want to do this. Will you help me? And if we pray that prayer and we're serious about that prayer, God will help us. So I'm going to invite you today, whatever stage you're at, if you want to progress to that next level, if you want to unlock that next level, let's pray this prayer together. Lord Jesus, thank you that with your help, I can always grow and move to the next level. Today, I resolve to conceive the next stage, commit to the journey and commence today. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, I just want to pray for each and every one of us who's prayed that prayer. Lord, and I want to pray that you would start that process now. Lord, and I believe there are people here who have prayed for a deeper experience of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, this morning, would you pour out your Holy Spirit on them right here, right now. Lord God, would you fill them with your Spirit right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, would you seal this commitment? Would you seal this resolve? Would this not be a glib statement to finish the meeting, Lord God, but would this be a commitment to bring on board the heart and the plan and the vision of God for my life and for us as a church? Lord, would you help us to keep hold of what we have committed to, what we have seen and what we have resolved today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.